Hey Church family, it's Jay again, uh, coming to you with another podcast episode. It's been a couple weeks since I've been able to do one of these, but that's kind of what life is like right now. And uh, I'm recording this one today, it's Friday, May 22nd, just to give an update on what we're thinking in terms of uh, current options as far as gathering both online and in person. Earlier this week, our governor gave a special ability, I, I guess you could say, not just to churches, but to any kind of gathering uh, that could happen in a drive-through fashion. So you, you know, pull your cars into a space and you either keep them six feet apart and you can, you know, roll down your windows, or uh, if they're closer than that, you keep them rolled up. But it kind of gives you the sense of sort of being in the same place as other people. And I think it was sort of a, a, a bone being thrown to churches that had started to do this already to gain some kind of sense of normalcy back, uh, being able to do an in-person uh, worship gathering uh, where there's music being played you know, from, from one location, maybe a, a sermon's being preached and that people can listen in in the same location. I, I've noticed that a lot of uh, churches, maybe not a lot, but I've noticed on my uh, social media feeds that there are churches that are doing this. And um, I... Is, is I'm I'm not here to critique any church for for what they're doing. I think all of us are trying to make uh, wise decisions for the people that we represent and lead. And if there are church leaders that that are going, you know what, this is the best course of action for us, then that's great. And we we wish the Lord's blessing on them, and may they prosper, <laughs> um, really in every way. But as we were thinking about that for our own community. We came to the decision, as I mentioned in a pastoral letter that I sent out earlier this week, that uh, for us, we don't believe it's a viable option, it's something that we want to pursue. And I, I mentioned that I would give some reasons for that in our podcast, which I want to do today. So without further ado, here's sort of the reasons that uh, we are not engaging in a drive-up uh, worship gathering or really any other type of gathering apart from, uh, we have a couple, we had one and we have one coming up. Uh, uh, a marriage um, ceremony, um, but that's been the exception. So anyway, number one uh, is kids. <clears throat> we have a lot of them in our church community. We love them. They are great. They are lively. They are fun, but they are squirmy, <laughs> especially in small confined places. Uh, when you try to keep kids uh, kind of cooped up in a car, if there's not something to keep their engagement level high during a, a gathering like that, then they get to be distracted themselves and they're a distraction for others. And the parents and families that I talked to, especially with young kids, they, they just said, we would probably try it out, maybe. But as soon as one of our kids, you know, starts to lose patience, um, we're probably going to be out of there. And so it, it would be challenging for the many families that we have, particularly with young kids, to stay tuned into something that's a drive-in style gathering. So that's number one, kids. Number two, bathroom facilities, which is kind of um, tied to kids. We really wouldn't be able to open up our restroom facilities for anybody to use just because of the amount of effort that it would take to sanitize them both before and after and I, it's really unclear as to whether or not we're even we even should be opening our our restroom facilities to people, and so that means if you have kids and they have to go potty, it's game over for you. 
<laughs> you're, you're driving home or you're driving somewhere else to try to find a bathroom facility for them or for you. And, and that, you know, will, will sort of ruin things as far as the experience of gathering together with your church. So that's number two. Number three, uh, Zoom redundancy, I'm going to call this. Zoom redundancy. What we found with uh, the wedding ceremony that we um, did is that because we put it on Zoom, which we would have to do because also for a worship gathering, because many people wouldn't feel comfortable coming out. And so we would have to provide uh, some kind of online way for people to connect with what we're doing. Most people would end up watching Zoom anyway from their vehicles. Uh, and so it really doesn't actually add value to be kind of in the car next to the people that are also watching Zoom with you. Um, and so if you're going to do it on Zoom anyway, then it really, you know, uh, it might add a little bit of solidarity uh, to the experience. But by and large, you're watching people's faces through a screen just as you would be at home. And, and potentially you're doing it now from a phone instead of a PC. And so you can see less people. Uh, while you're on the call than you would have otherwise if you had just stayed home. Uh, so that's number three, Zoom redundancy. Number four is um, is actually set up and tear down. So there there is a cost involved, not monetarily, but in terms of time and effort to bring um, items necessary for uh, doing our inside worship gathering uh, outside. Microphones, stands, uh, um, speakers, cords, power, all these uh, kinds of things that would be necessary to haul outside if we're going to have any kind of amplification. And so somebody would have to set up and tear down those things. And now you might, you know, argue that it's worth the effort to do those things. And, and in many cases, I would say, I would agree and say, you're probably right. Uh, but in this environment, we really question whether or not it was worth the effort to do those things. And should we be putting our effort not into setting up and tearing down something to gather, um, you know, in a drive-through fashion, but but to use our time and energy relationally with one another in prayer, in in making phone calls, in um, in reaching out to people, um, and so there's, you know, when you set something up and tear something down, it gives you the sense of accomplishment, but we really question whether or not it's actually accomplishing something that could be accomplished, something that that is worthwhile, and whether or not there's something else that could be accomplished with uh, our time and energy that could be more valuable for our community at this point in time. So that's number four, set up and tear down. And then the last one, which is kind of tied to all these things, is um, it turns a two-way community into a one-way communication. One of the things that I love about Zoom is as much as, you know, the problems that we've had on certain particular Sundays, this past Sunday being one of them, is that uh, the, this platform allows us to continue our gatherings to be a two-way dialogue of what God's doing in us rather than a one-way monologue from people on stage to people that are passively watching that experience. And again, this isn't a knock to other churches that are doing Facebook and YouTube and all those different things. But for us in particular, we see ourselves as a body of brothers and sisters through whom God speaks by the Holy Spirit to encourage, empower, exhort, send, equip. And yes, a lot of that is done from the stage to people that are sitting in seats when we're gathering in a building. 
But one of the things that I've loved about Zoom is that when we're all in that environment together, yeah, there's a message and we try to keep that pretty short so that we can um, you, know, you know, keep viewer experience high, but we also have a message for the kids that we've been doing and we leave space for people to share what God's saying to them and through them for the good of the community. And we also have time for prayer afterwards, which I think has been pretty valuable as well. And so I, I love that we've been able to maintain, if not even broaden, our ability to have a two-way conversation about what God's doing rather than just a one-way monologue. And so that's uh, one of the most, I think, we would be giving up by going to a drive-in style uh, experience is that it would severely hinder that two-way uh, conversation and community that's been going on. So anyway, that's that's my kind of top five kids bathroom facilities, Zoom redundancy, setup and teardown, and two-way community being reduced to a one-way monologue. Um, I think for all these reasons, what we would be giving up is uh, far more than what we would be gaining from trying to push into this uh, direction. Now, that's not to say that there isn't a cost involved to continuing to gather online. I think there is. There's a cost mentally and physically uh, to, to being in a lockdown situation, and we're seeing that increase, and we have to take that seriously. And, and we are, as a community, taking that seriously. It's just that we don't feel that going in this direction helps to address that, um, that very real uh, experience that's going on in a meaningful way. And so we think that there are some other things that can be done, um, and we are pursuing some of those things. Some of the ideas that, you know, there are things that, that, that we all can be doing as well that maybe we haven't thought of either. Things like, you know, we, we've done these things called DNA groups, which are, you know, a group of three to five friends that have gotten together to go through a book of the Bible or a curriculum or a, 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 a Christian uh, book. And, um, and I would encourage you to, to grab a few friends and say, hey, would you like to do something like this with me? I'd like to go through, you know, I don't, the book of Acts, because we, we just um, are, have been reading through that together, or the book of First Peter, or the book of Ruth, or I mean, could be anything from, from uh, a biblical standpoint. If you want suggestions on authors and books to pursue for that kind of study, uh, just reach out to me. I would love to talk to you about that. If you're interested in leading a DNA group or you just want to be part of one and you want others to join you, um, I think that would be great. Another one is um, is just grab some friends and like a happy hour thing. Put the kids to bed. Hopefully they stay in bed. My, mine have been having a hard time doing that recently. And just grab a screen with some other friends and just, you know, veg out with them. Watch something on Netflix simultaneously. I don't know. Uh, play a game. There, there's a, um, a great app that has been shared around called House Party, which is just a video conferencing app with some games laid over the top of it. Do something like that with, with some other people. Encourage, and, and set up times for your kids to do that with other uh, friends. My kids have become pretty proficient at doing video calls with some of their friends. If, you, if your kids want to talk to my kids, let me know. And we'll set them up on, on Kids Messenger. Um, and they can make silly faces at each other and, and use all kinds of emojis. Um, 
I don't understand the appeal of that, but they get a kick out of it and they do it for hours. And, and so uh, it's a valuable way for, for kids to, um, to connect with one another. One of the things that did come out today that I just wanted to mention, this brand new kind of hot off the press, is that our governor did seemingly extend the, the ability to gather in small groups from 10 to 25. That's new today, Friday, May 22nd. Obviously, that's outside with social distancing measures, but he did give the ability for groups to gather to do that. Now, that may be a game changer for us, and it's something that we'll have to talk through with our community group leaders to see if they're comfortable with something like that. But that may be a possibility for us to begin to do, especially as the weather gets nicer, to have groups begin to meet in physical locations at homes outside in backyards with masks with six feet apart all that stuff in place but that may be something that is worth the risk and and again this is going to be up to the discretion of individual community group leaders as they have conversations with the community groups so we're going to be talking with them about that if you want to talk with your group leaders uh, about what that could look like um, go for it, you know, have a conversation and we'll try to pursue that a little bit further. I just want to say, like, I think at this moment in time, and, and this kind of contributes to that idea, is that we as a church, it, it, we're trying to read the tea leaves here and see what the Spirit's saying and how he's moving in our community. But it may end up being the case that we end up looking like a network of smaller communities for a time rather than one larger community that has smaller communities. That may end up being what ends up happening, at least in the short term, is that the primary ways that we gather, if it's in person, may be around backyards with groups of less than 25 and then meeting online as a full community to uh, encourage and pray for one another and um, and equip those communities to be uh, effective. I've been um, preparing for this Sunday's message, which is going to be from Acts chapter 9 with uh, Saul's conversion and Ananias and how God sends him to, to Paul to pray for him. And um, just real interesting interaction there. Um, but one of the things that I noticed as I was reading in chapter 8 is that when Paul goes to seek out the church, when he goes to find the believers, he it says that he goes from house to house to find them because there was no one physical location where they were gathered. They couldn't. Uh, there was too much pressure on them. There was too, they, they, they were too big of a target when they, they would get together, especially after Stephen's martyrdom. And so they went underground. They went into homes. And so Paul, he, or Saul at that point, he, he couldn't just kind of go to the building with a steeple on it and round up everybody at once. He had to go from one house to another house to another house to find the believers because even though, even though they had to go underground, they were still open for business. God hadn't stopped his activity. They were still gathering. They were still worshiping. They were still a family of disciples on mission. None of that had gone away. And Paul, in his efforts 
to stamp out this movement that's happening under their noses uh, ends up encountering Jesus. And so I, I take that as an encouragement that even if we are called to gather in homes for the foreseeable future, I have no idea how long that could potentially be. Jesus stands among us and he is still at work. And there is nothing that can stop that. So I, anyway, I hope you're encouraged by that. I think in this season, there's some, you know, when, when we are inundated with what every church is doing, it's easy to think that we should be doing all the above. But we really have to stop and ask the question, what is the Spirit leading our particular community of believers to do? How is it that we can be faithful to Jesus's call and pursue love for each other as a family, growth as disciples, and an activity as missionaries uh, where we get to tell the story of what God's like. So my prayer for you is that you would find creative, imaginative ways to do all three of those things. I'm praying the same thing for me and for our family. And we just want to know that we are here for you, church. We love you. We look forward to what our Lord has in store for us. He is good and faithful. All right, be blessed today, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.